Paul Charchian here, longtime fantasy players. You'll remember my first fantasy company, Fanball.com, one of the original fantasy sports sites. Great news. I've got the band back together. Yes, Fanball.com is back with many of the same people, and we're ready for a new era. You know I built LeagueSafe as the industry's first consumer protection service, making sure that winners got paid, so it shouldn't surprise you that Fanball.com is the only fantasy sports company built from the ground up with a singular mission to ensure fair play. In addition to all the awesome free content that you remember from Fanball, we also have season-long and daily fantasy sports contests. And best of all, Fanball.com has the Fanball number. Your Fanball number identifies your skill level and ensures that you play in contests against players at your skill level. No longer will regular players like you be overrun by hundreds of expert-level entries into your contests. If your Fanball number is 55, you're not going to be playing against experts rated in the 80s and 90s. I've leveled the playing field with a fanball number at fanball.com. Get your fanball number today. Hi. Uh, just a harmless squirrel, not a plastic explosive or anything. Nothing to be worried about. The Explosive Output Podcast. Of course, I got the explosive. Steve, ladies are going to love you. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. It's uh, the Explosive Output Podcast, live from Main Street Farmer in St. Michael, Minnesota, along with uh, Trevor Jones, my uh, my cohort and producer, and uh, Aaron Hagerdorn, the chef at Main Street Farmer. Thanks for joining us, Aaron. My pleasure. Thanks for having us. Um, so what we do on this podcast is we, we talk to people who are super successful and interesting in their industry, and and we, we go through how they got to where they're where they are today, and I've known Aaron for a while. Aaron was actually in one of my fantasy leagues a few years back, and uh, he quit after just like being <laughs> destroyed in the league. I'm I, I did sure. get destroyed, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, so I've known Aaron for a while. Aaron opened up this uh, great restaurant here in my hometown, St. Michael, and you guys are up for a few awards right now, right? Um, I, I don't know. I know that we're going to uh, <laughs> we're going to an event next week called the Best of Minnesota. We yeah. were, we were invited. We're one of uh, 15 restaurants that's been invited, and uh, uh, you know our owner Jonathan Campion and I and uh, our wives are going to go and uh, you know just showcase what we're doing here. Yeah, you guys. Uh, now, if people who haven't been here, and there, there's probably going to be a few people from the STMA area who are listening to this, but people beyond the STMA area who are looking for. Somewhere to go, and this is kind of a destination spot. Maybe people don't know about it. What is Main Street Farmer? Uh, so we are uh, we're trying to do a couple things here. One is we're really trying to highlight uh, the locality uh, of the food and, and, and what you can do in this area. Mm-hmm. Uh, by that, what I mean is, is showcasing everything this area has to offer, uh, for, by the way, of farms, small businesses, local producers. Uh, and, and we're trying to do that in you know, an elegant, upscale way. Uh, and we're trying to set a standard, uh, a food standard out on this side of town. Uh, you know, you've got all the great restaurants downtown that get all of the accolades. Mm-hmm. And not saying that we're out for for accolades, but uh, you know, showcase that it can be done in an area like this and be supported by the community. And, and we've had some great community support. And we are outside downtown. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah we're yeah, way, way outside. outside. <laughs> I mean, we're – it's – and, and in good traffic, you can get from downtown to here in about 30, 35 minutes. Yeah, 30 minutes, yeah. Yeah. Um, in bad traffic, it's more like an hour. Hour, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but uh, let's not talk about that. We'll yeah. talk about the short drive from downtown. Um, but 
if you if you haven't been out this way, you should come out this way. And I've I've talked about it with several of my coworkers, and like they're like, hey, I need a, like a date spot for a for a nice dinner, and it's like, would you consider going a, a few miles to go do that? And I always suggest you guys in Main Street Farmer. Well, I appreciate that. By the way, you can find uh, Main Street Farmer on Facebook at facebook.com slash Main Street Farmer. And Aaron's got his own uh, chef page at facebook.com slash chef Aaron with two A's, A-A-R-O-N, Hagerdorn, H-A-G-E-R-D-O-R-N. That's I got awful. it right. Yeah, you yeah, 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 did. Yeah. Um, so let's start at the beginning. Okay. You're an Ohio kid. I am, I happen yes. to know this. You bleed uh, crimson and silver. No, 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 no. <laughs> Scarlet and gray. Scarlet and gray. Can't get that wrong. <laughs> Big Ohio State Buckeyes fan. Yep, yep. Obviously, this has been kind of a weird year for you. It has been, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I thought that I could uh, uh, stop paying attention a couple weeks ago, and, and now, unfortunately, I have to pay attention mm-hmm. and stress out again. So. Okay. Um, so how, how did you, wh- where did you, where did you start in Ohio? Like, where did you grow up? What did you do? Uh, I grew that, up in that? a s- small town, a suburb of Columbus called Westerville. Okay. Um, not all different than, than St. Michael or Maple Grove area. Okay. Um, and, uh, you know, after, after high school, you know, I went on to culinary school out of New York and kind of been traveling around the country since then, uh, made my way back to Ohio. From the get go, did you know you wanted to be a chef? Uh, since seventh grade. Really? Yeah. What, uh, what started that? Um, you're like in a home ec class and you're like, damn, my French toast is good. <laughs> um, actually, uh, <laughs> it was a career fair Okay. and I was absent the day that everybody got to pick where they wanted to go. So I got shoved into the chef. Nobody wanted to go there. <laughs> it was in the home ec room. Yes, it was. Um, and, uh, you know, I went and, uh, he made bananas foster. And if you know that dessert, you light something on fire. Yeah. And I was just like, that's cool. I want to do that. And, so uh, you're just a pyro in seventh uh, grade. A little bit. You have to be. I mean, <laughs> as a chef, you're a pyro. You get to play with sharp knives. You're a little bit of a pirate. It's kind of cool. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so on to culinary school in New York, you said? Where did yep. you go in New York? I went to the Culinary Institute of America. Okay. Um, you know, one of the top schools in the country. Uh, and, uh, you know, my dad went. My dad and I went and toured it. And yeah. uh, he just looked at me and said, you're going here. And, uh, oh, yeah, by the way, you're going to pay for it. <laughs> and and so you what's know, tuition to a place like that? Uh, when, when I went in '99, it was forty-five thousand. Jeez. Um, and how, how long of a program is that? Uh, twenty months. Twenty so, months. So not even two years. Okay, that's a hefty amount of money. Yeah, uh, I think I paid it off a year or two ago. That's good. So finally, hey, finally done with so that, dude. You're way ahead of the rest of us. <laughs> yeah, I still got like that on twelve years maybe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm like 12 years older than you, and I still got like five or six years to yeah. go. So yeah. it's not fun, uh, but uh, yeah, I got that done, and uh, you know, it was a great experience. I loved it, and uh, it just opened a lot of doors. Okay, so from uh, from New York, you you went through the Culinary Institute, you figured it out. What was what was the best part about about that journey? Like, did you learn something out there specifically that happened that you? that just resonated with you or a part of the job that you just hit perfectly? You know, I mean, I've always liked the job. Ever since I was 15, I've been in okay. the kitchen. Uh, kitchen is just in my blood. And, uh, uh, but the, I think the best part of school, um, so, so you, you leave halfway through and you go and do an, an externship. At a, okay. I went to a restaurant. I actually went back to my hometown, um, but I, I, I did it under an amazing chef. Okay. And uh, he, he basically looked at me and was like, you need to get serious about this. Yeah. And uh, he was kind of hard on me. And 
uh, I so went. Gordon th- Ramsay was your. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, a gentleman by the name of Hanky, Hanky, uh, Hartman Hanky. He uh, he makes Gordon look like a nice guy. Um, <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah. Had had a spatula thrown at me. You know, yelled at quite a bit. But uh, um, I went back to school with a different focus. And, okay. Uh, you know, you. The thing about that school is you you really uh, you get what you put into it. Okay. You know, you can cruise through like anybody else anywhere else, but if you so anybody could show up, pay the forty five grand, and come out just, with a degree. Just walk out with a degree yep. and and be just as crappy at making scrambled eggs as I am. Oh yeah. Oh, Actually, yeah, I'm pretty good at scrambled <laughs> eggs. So that's where it starts. That's where I started <laughs> scrambled eggs. Um, but yeah, so I, I you know I took it seriously and I, I came out ahead of the game. Okay. Um, so from New York, where did you go from there? Uh, I went to Hilton Head, South Carolina. Okay. Worked for the Westin Corporation the, for a while. Some sort of golf resort? It was a, uh, yeah, resort. I don't yeah. know if it was a golf, yeah, I think it was on a golf course. But uh, went there, blew all of my college money and, you know, <laughs> did the 20-year-old did the yeah. you know, on an island thing. And, yeah? Uh, yeah, and had, you know, left there to go to, to Kansas City. Um, worked for a friend in Kansas City. Uh, from Kansas City, I went to New Orleans. Worked at a couple places down there. Uh, and then after the second hurricane, I was like, peace out. I'm going back to Ohio, where there's there's none of this wind and rain sideways. Okay, so you've been to <laughs> Kansas City, which is like the barbecue mecca of the United States, yeah, probably. Great barbecue. Okay. Amazing barbecue. You've been to New Orleans, which is probably, you know, Cajun seafood yeah. mecca of America. The culinary scene there is, is totally different. It totally it? is. And I'm not, a, I'm not a seafood guy. I'm just not at all. But when I went to New Orleans last January, I was like, if I'm going to eat seafood, I'm going to eat it in New Orleans. And, and I forced myself into, like, going out of my comfort zone and trying a whole bunch of things. I got the shrimp, that yeah. like the barbecue shrimp, where you're oh, yeah, yeah. twisting the head off and yep. throwing it aside and peeling yep. them off. It's crazy, but it's, it's, so, it's so much different it's, than buying frozen shrimp at Cub. Oh, I, I, <laughs> one of the restaurants I was at was right on Lake Pontchartrain. Okay. And I'm, this is no lie. I'd do in a boat, would pull up in front of the restaurant. I'd walk across the grass to the to the lake, and uh, I would get soft shell crabs and crawfish right off of his boat. That's awesome. So you can't get any fresher. No, I, I remember walking down Bourbon Street too, and there were like a, there was like a tub of crawfish, uh-huh. and people would be like, "Yeah, you know, stick this spoon in there, and like eight crawfish will grab onto one another, and then we'll cook them up for you." And yep. Have a good day. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a totally <laughs> different environment. It's, it's pretty awesome. So you hit, you hit those places. What, what, did, what, did you, what did you find from what did you find from New Orleans that like shaped you? Um, you know it's a, it, it was a different it was a, like I said, it was a different culinary scene. Yeah. And uh, the thing about New Orleans is they don't feel like anybody can cook New Orleans food unless you're from there. Okay. So I was always the outsider. So you're the, you're the Yankee. Exactly. Down there. I got called Yankee so many times. Yep. Um, but if you, but it's it's so different mm-hmm. that as a culinary person traveling around the country, you don't learn that unless you're there. Unless you're immersed in it, right? And just the way that they build their flavors and their foundations of their food, um, it, it, there's so much more to it than anybody outside of New Orleans would understand. Yeah. And that thought process of how to build flavors can be translated into so many other aspects of cooking. Um, that, that I use that to this day. I mean, just how they, they scrape the bottom of a pan to get all of the, the, the flavor that's in the bottom of a pan. Okay. We do that here when we're making, you know, when we're roasting bones and making stocks and stuff. We scrape the bottom of the pans just to get all that leftover flavor off the bottom. 
So so stuff like that, just those little details help build flavors. Is that typical? The, you know, you go from. <clears throat> South Carolina to Kansas City to New Orleans. Is that typical of kind of a chef's journey? or If you want to. And, and that's the thing about this career is um, people need to eat everywhere. True. You know, There's so places to go, yeah. Places to go. I mean, you could, you could go on a cruise ship. You could go to Europe. You can go to Asia. I mean, you can go all over the world, and uh, people need to eat. And you can find a job anywhere. There's such a demand for, for people that want to cook around the world. And yeah, I mean, you could stay in you could stay in Minneapolis and cook at every restaurant around Minneapolis and your whole career and be fine. Or you can travel. I, I chose to travel. I knew people in different cities, and they were always like, "Hey, come here. Let's do this. Let's do that." And uh, you know, when I was young and single, it was it was easy. So, did you target those specific cities for their, you know, food hubness? Um, or South or? South Carolina, I targeted because it was an island. <laughs> okay, that's cool. Um, Kansas City, uh, I had a friend that lived there. Okay. And he was at a restaurant, and he was like, hey, come work with me. And, uh, you know, you, you know it's a place to go with good food. Yeah. Um, then I had a chef that was going down to New Orleans and was like, hey, come work for me. And, again, it was a, a good food destination. You know, if it was, you know, someplace in the middle of nowhere that didn't have a good food culture, probably wouldn't have been as enticing. But, yeah. But uh, it was enticing to go do those things and, and have that opportunity to learn those, those aspects. Yeah. Um, so you were, you were talking about how they build flavors in New Orleans. Like what, what's like one thing where you remember from New Orleans where you were like, oh crap, that's, that's how they do that and make this different. And something that maybe you still use to this day. Well, they have this thing called a scrape. Okay. And, um, you're not supposed to use wooden spoons anymore. Okay. Because you you can't wash them, this and that, you know, whatever. Okay. But. Every kitchen in New Orleans has their stash of wooden spoons. Mm-hmm. And you, you, <laughs> a secret stash. Secret, secret stash. <laughs> and you use this wooden spoon because it actually helps. It, 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 it can bend, right? Yeah. Wood, wood's givable. Yep. So it, it, you can get to the bottom of a pan. So when you're making like a gumbo or a jambalaya or something, mm-hmm. and you're caramelizing those vegetables or whatever the ingredients are that are in that pan, you get that spoon and you scrape Everything that's car- that's stuck to the bottom of the pan, it's called a fond. Yeah. You scrape off that fond and you build another fond. And then you scrape that and you build another fond. And you're just keep building these flavors. Um, and, and that's literally the basis for their jambalayas, their gumbos, uh, you know, their, their etouffees, all of that kind of stuff that, you know, you, you, you just look at it and it looks like a soup with peppers and onions and this and that in it, but... It, it has so much more flavor in, yeah. in there that that they've worked so hard to build. Um, there's so much more into this than <laughs> I, I mean. I think I think I'm a good cook, and now I'm like God. So Thanksgiving is tomorrow. Yes. What are some like simple things that I can do when prepping a turkey or the mashed potatoes or whatever? Like, what are things that you would give like tips to? The doof who thinks he's a good cook but probably isn't a good cook at all. Like, what are those things that I can I can do to make it better? Um, I'll tell you the same thing that I tell my guys in the kitchen, and yeah. that's that's don't take the easy way out. Okay. And what I mean by that is, you know, if you're if you're making a turkey and everybody has their own way to make a turkey, you turn it upside down, you put it in a bag, you wrap it with foil, you know. But the old tried and true method of roasting it at a low temperature and basting it, mm-hmm. you know, okay, yeah, it takes a little bit longer. Yeah, you have to get in the oven and baste it, and make sure that it stays nice and moist. And and 
but the but the product, the outcome is is so much better um, than all of these other shortcuts. Yeah. Um, and and it's the same way with everything. Okay, if you're going to make mashed potatoes, take the time, peel the potatoes, boil them. You know, you know, mix in the butter and the cream. Just do it. Do it the right way, the simple way. It doesn't have to be all extravagant. You don't have to go crazy with stuff. But if you make it. Uh, the way it's supposed to be made and make it simple and, and don't take all the shortcuts, you're going to come out with a much better product. I was telling Trevor this morning that I'm a brick of cream cheese in the mashed potatoes guy. Okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Because I freaking love the consistency that comes up with yeah. But I'm a guy who peels the potatoes really well and boils them and does all that stuff and fork splits them and makes sure they're good and, yep. you know, heavy whipping cream and couple sticks of butter and cream cheese and that kind of thing. There you go. Mashed potatoes are always a hit. I know what I'm doing there. I, I, I have a, <laughs> I have this thing for mashed potatoes, and everybody that knows me will tell you that it's, it's, uh, it's one of my pet peeves if you don't make them the right way. And so it, how do you make them the wrong way? Uh, out of a box. Oh, okay. Yeah. I d- Never. My wife, my wife and I will fight over that all the time. I will come home and she'll have like, you know, made a real good beef and noodles or chicken and dumplings or something. And then I'll see the pan of potatoes and I'll just look at her and I'll look and I'll say, I'm going to pass on those because I know they're out of a box. So being a, a chef and then coming home and you have four kids just like I do, yep. you come home and your wife's prepping food. Do, do you cook more often than no, not? At, you don't no. cook at home. I, I, I'm only home one evening a night or two evenings That's a night. That's true. You're working a lot. But. You know, so uh, no, my wife does most of the cooking. Uh, okay. Or we spend probably way too much eating out because <laughs> right. neither of us want to. Um, <laughs> you're, you're like, I'm really done cooking. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> She'll call me and say, I'm not cooking tonight. I said, well, neither am I. So let's, let's figure out what we're going to do. When a painter gets done painting all day, he doesn't come home and paint. Nope. No. no. Um, is your wife a good cook? She's going to get you in trouble. She's gotten a lot better. You know my wife, too. So <laughs> yeah, I do I'm going to answer but... this as politically correct as I can. No, she's gotten a lot better. Um, uh, we, we've been working on it over years. Yeah. And uh, she, she tries. She does a really good job at, uh, at trying different things, which does is she, cool. Does she take direction from you and, like, learn things from no, you? No, no, no. She, no, not at all? When I intervene, she, she, get, you know, she kicks me out. You're not like... Hey, but if you if you get the wooden spatula out and scrape it this way, there's there's one <laughs> recipe there's one recipe that we both love. Uh, I forget where we got it years ago, um, but it's just it's baked chicken with feta cheese and tomatoes and basil and whatnot. Okay. And the first time we were making this, uh, well, she was making it, and she was following the recipe, and I I came in and I tinkered with something, and she looked at me and said, "Well, the recipe doesn't say to do that." And I said, I know, this will make it better. Just the look I got, you know, I just, I just needed to walk away. Um, so when you were in Kansas City, you mentioned Kansas City, obviously great barbecue down there. Did you learn anything about the barbecue world when you were down in that neck of the woods? I ate a lot of good barbecue. I, I bet. Didn't, I didn't really work in, in, in much barbecue. You didn't, have to, you didn't necessarily have to work in it, but did you learn anything about it from being down there? Um. I just learned about the passion that it takes to do barbecue and okay. the time and, and, and uh, the patience. Yeah, it's, it's not a trivial task to do barbecue the right way. No, not, not whatsoever. No. Um, to, again, like anything, if you do it the right way, it's, yeah. it's got to take time. And, and those guys have such a passion for it. You know, again, it's like being in New Orleans and being a Yankee. Mm-hmm. You know, if you come into Kansas City and you don't know how to barbecue, you're kind of on the outside looking in. Sure. You know, those guys are like, oh, we have our way. We've been doing it for 50 years. What kind of, uh, if, you, if you were to do barbecue stuff and you were just grilling at your house, what, what, what kind of thing would you make that was, would be like the home run hitter? 
Um, two things I, I really love to make. Uh, yeah. When I barbecue all the time, I, I have a smoker on my back deck. And, okay. And uh, I do it all the what time. What kind of smoker? This uh, is interesting. It's uh, Oklahoma Joe. Okay. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a wood-burning, charcoal-burning smoker. Okay. Nice. Yeah. It's got the little propane side on the other side for my wife, so she can use that when I'm not home. <laughs> but charcoal and wood, it's okay. got to be. Yeah. Um, but uh, uh, I love pork shoulders. Okay. Um, the, the meat to fat to skin mm-hmm. you know, ratio of the, of the shoulder, um, you, it's just, it's, you can do so much with it. Yeah. Uh, and then brisket. I love beef brisket. Brisket is so temperamental. It can be. It can be. <laughs> That's the one thing I haven't been able to crack yet. Um, I can do. I can do the. I can do the good pork butt. Yeah. And get a good rub on it, and it's got the nice bark, and it's got the nice pink charred deliciousness, the smoky stuff. But yeah. brisket's the one that I I've yet to really dive into to figure out. Brisket, the lower temperature, the yeah. longer you smoke it, the better it's going to be. Yeah. It's got to have that really deep pink smoke ring on, on, on the outer edge and it's got to be able to just kind of be able to pull apart with your hand, you know, to, to just be perfect. Yeah. Trevor, are you hungry? Yeah. <laughs> I <laughs> just, just, I just ate, ate and I'm still kind of <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> um, you're not only a head chef at a fine restaurant, but you're also a varsity lacrosse coach. Uh, I am, yes. How did you get into that? Uh, did, pl- did you play on the varsity lacrosse team at the Culinary Institute <laughs> of America? Um, I played on, on the varsity lacrosse team in high school. Okay. Um, actually, a baseball convert. Um, uh, played a couple years in high school and then uh, played in some men's leagues and stuff after high school. Yes, I did play you know, a little bit when I went to school, not for the CIA. But, um, uh, and then uh, I actually stumbled into coaching uh, when I moved to Hilton Head. You know, they were putting together a team. Really? Yeah, they're putting together a team, and they're just like, hey, you know, a couple guys from Syracuse were coaching this team, and they were like, hey, come out and help us. And then everywhere I moved, I kind of just always kind of got involved and helped out. Uh, and then uh, when I moved back to Ohio, uh, I coached for my alma mater for a couple years and okay. then just kind of worked through the coaching ranks as I was, you know, whenever I had free time and, um, you know, coached in Cincinnati you know, as an assistant. Then I – it was funny, I, I moved here. Um, and I thought it was all like I wasn't planning on coaching again. <laughs> Minnesota doesn't have lacrosse. Well, no, I knew they had lacrosse, uh, <laughs> but uh, I was gonna you know, just focus on cooking and yeah. spend time with the family. And uh, I took my son uh, to his first lacrosse practice mm-hmm. at the Dome in Plymouth. Okay. And uh, you know he's out doing his lacrosse thing, and I didn't realize I was wearing a, a lacrosse coat from one of the co- uh, schools I coached at. Yeah. And a uh, gentleman standing next to me looked at me. And obviously the school wasn't from around here, so he kind of put two and two together. And he's like, "You coach?" And I said, "Well, I kind of did." I said, "Hi, you know, I'm, I'm an assistant at Armstrong, and we're, we're looking for oh, really? looking for a uh, who is coach, uh, Michael Charles." That was Michael. Michael's still in my you fantasy know? league. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. So uh, he struck up a conversation with me, and okay. lo and behold, I was interviewing with uh, another friend of yours, Ross Brower. Yeah, Ross is a longtime friend. I know him from high school, yep. so that's how we met each other. That is how we met each other, Ross. So. Yep. And, and then and then coached at Armstrong for a while and yep. then ended up in you are the Delano High School varsity coach. Yeah, moved out to Delano and again thought my thought I was done. Thought I wasn't <laughs> going to coach again. And, uh, uh, and then Delano popped up with a team. We did a neighborhood night out and one of my neighbors was like, hey, they, we need a coach for my son. And uh, here I am four years later. <laughs> <laughs> so which do you enjoy more, 
a lacrosse victory or a really good night at the restaurant? Oh, wow. That is a tough question. <laughs> um, oh, I don't know. I'm, I'm competitive in both really, really, really deeply. Um, I guess it would depend on who we're beating at lacrosse. Okay. Um, but, uh, you know, you can't beat a good night at the restaurant when you, when you serve a, a ton of people and do it well and everybody's happy. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the team got through it really well. Um, uh, but then again, you, you know, you get 13 lacrosse games, so those are few and far between. Yeah. Um, I don't know that I can answer that question. <laughs> They're both enjoyable. They're both really enjoyable, yes. So you got to Minnesota, and you were at the Hyatt, right? I was, yes. Okay. And, and then you decided that – Going independent was your thing. It, yeah. The, this, this was the first uh, independent venture, right? Um, well, uh, as, a, as a head chef, uh, okay. um, I came up in freestanding restaurants. Okay. Um, uh, Hyatt was, uh, was a great company to work for for nine years, but I was ready to get back to sure. uh, freestanding restaurants. And, uh, you know, I was ready. I was looking for something that I could, um, you know, get into from the ground up and, uh, you know, uh, I, I met uh, Jonathan Campion, uh, uh, who's uh, my partner and, and, and the owner of Main Street Farmer, and we struck up a conversation, and uh, it, it just it really clicked from there. And uh, when we talked about our concepts and what we like to do, we mm-hmm. knew that it was uh, going down the right alley. And uh, it was a, it was a tough decision to leave Hyatt after you know nine and a half years or so, but uh, this is something that's been in my blood, something that I've wanted to do since I was a kid, and. I decided it was the right time to make the jump. It takes a lot of courage to do that, to, to be a father of four and leave a, I, I'm guessing, pretty decent-paying job at a big company. Yeah, yeah. There, and, there's and a lot go, of securities that And I go, hey, I'm going to go do something on my own here. Well, uh, you know, my wife and I had <laughs> yeah. always talked about uh, it was something that was going to happen at some point. Okay. And uh, she knew my, my dreams and... Um, you know, I wanted to make sure it was the right time for the family. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we were we were at that point where we were, like you said, we were. We, I was successful and steady and, and this and that. But I wasn't. I wasn't having the fun and, and the passion that I I knew I wanted to have. Sure. And uh, uh, a lot of conversation had to happen, but we decided that you know the kids were good and the family was good and you know the concept was good and, and the restaurant was amazing and. Um, this is what we wanted to do. So what are the things that you considered heavily when, when opening a restaurant? You've decided to do it. Now what? Like location versus name versus what's the overall concept and that kind of thing. What are, yeah, what um, are the main things that you guys considered? Uh, the biggest thing was the concept in, in the location. We already had the location. So we had to make sure that the concept fit the location um, and that it was something that the, the public wanted. Okay. Um, so there was a lot of conversation that went into that. Mm-hmm. Um, the name, we, we, I think we went months <laughs> back and forth about a name. Really? Um, so several names had to come out of it. Uh, obviously, Main Street Farmer Eatery is, is what we've... What were the backup names? Oh, um, <laughs> I can't even remember. Um, there, there, there was uh, one time over beer that a lot of names came about that, that uh, were just silly. But, uh, um, yeah, I, I, don't, I couldn't even tell you where it started from, but uh, we knew that we wanted to have farmer in the concept. Okay. Um, and then obviously, you know, Main Street was the location that we we wanted, and and we we kind of came to Main Street Farmer Eater. You're on the corner of 
Main Street and Central Avenue. About the most generic names in, <laughs> in the United States for two roads to meet. Exactly. Make sure you put in the zip code when you Google that. Or, yeah, or obviously this is in St. Michael, Minnesota. Yeah. Um, I was actually going to ask, so, you, you know, you said a lot goes into, obviously, starting a new restaurant. I assume, like you said, this has been a dream of yours for a long time. I assume you have all these great food ideas. How do you mesh what you want to do or what you like to do with what the public would consume? Oh, that's a good question. Um, trial and error, really. Um, we opened with one menu, uh, and we're a seasonal restaurant, so we change with the seasons. So that kind of gives us a little bit of a pass there. Um, it's an easy way to get things off the menu that, that don't sell very well. Uh, and then as you go through the year and, and years, you keep fine-tuning that. You keep figuring out what people want, what people like, don't like, um, and you and you maneuver that that uh, you know that crossroad uh, that way. Um, I you know I do have a lot of things that I've used over over time, whether I've learned from other chefs or I've created myself over time. You know, you see if you can work some of those things in. Um, but really, with with Main Street Farmer and with all of the local uh, producers and farmers and stuff that we use, you really have to we really have to tailor what we're doing to that. Sure. Uh, so uh, you know, our menu changes. While some of it might be supported by things that I've used in the past, most of it's new, which is really cool because my team gets to be creative, I get to be creative, uh, and we're always just kind of redefining ourselves every three, four months. Uh, what do you get? What do you think is a a dish that anybody can make that looks a lot fancier and looks a lot nicer than the difficulty it is to prepare? What, like maybe what's so, on our menu here? So, something that's easy but looks a lot cooler. Um, not not necessarily what's on your menu here, but right, like right. somebody at home, like say Trevor. <laughs> Trevor doesn't cook anything. That guy's an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> but Trevor wants to make a nice meal for his girlfriend, and he wants to impress her. What's a meal that he could prepare at a novice skill level? I'm just assuming here, uh, Trevor. Correctly, yes. <laughs> That that he could prepare and and he could get you know an eyebrow raised and go you made this like yeah. well, one of those things like, is there something that's like in like the wheelhouse that everybody can make and make well? I tell you one of the things that 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 I I say uh, anybody should be able to do and, and can do if they really want to is uh, you know a really good roasted chicken. Mm-hmm. You know it sounds maybe simple to some people, but um, if if you can. Uh, just roast a chicken really the, the, a nice way, you know, a really simplistic way, and get a nice crispy outside skin, and you keep the, the meat on the inside nice and moist, and you cook it to, to the, the right temperature, you're going to have people oohing and on over it all the time. So uh, what's a good way to roast a chicken then? Like, what would you do? Um, like, right off the bat. So I'd give it a little, uh, we cook with butter. <laughs> so of you give it, a, give it a little butter rub. delish. But you can't go wrong. <laughs> um, so I like to rub the outside skin with butter and, and salt, pepper, and some, some herbs. Uh, and then... Typically what we'll do is we'll blast it in the oven at a high temperature, like 450, 500 degrees for 20, 25 minutes. Get that skin turning a little golden brown okay. and caramelize it a little. Um, and then you turn it down to like 300, 325, and you just let it cook really slowly. It takes about another 45 minutes to an hour. Uh, you want it at about 165 degrees. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ooh, I do know 165 yeah. is right for poultry. Yeah, you got to yeah. have it at 165. <laughs> um, uh, usually we take it out a little bit before 165 let it carry over so mm-hmm. um but uh if you get it right there to 165 it's going to be really juicy 
It's going to have a nice crusty skin on the outside and that whole bird. And when you put a whole bird down on the table like that, it's pretty. <laughs> it's pretty. Here you go, dear. <laughs> <laughs> um, how about uh, what's a common myth about your industry? Like people always think like about being a chef. Um, that we're all really mean. <laughs> Um, you know, you did get the, Gordon Ramsay really ruin that for you? You get a few like that, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, that's really played up. Uh, Have I, you ever thrown a spatula? Um, not at somebody. Okay. Yes, <laughs> out, of, out of frustration. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, it's frustrating. It gets frustrating. It's a, it's a, a fast pace, you know, high tempo, mm-hmm. uh, you know, stressful environment, um, uh, which leads to that, you know, people are agitated, and, and that gets true, but, um, you know, they played up the Gordon Ramsay thing. Um, <laughs> he, he's a tough guy, uh, but I've read a lot about him. Is uh, he really, though? Like, is he I, – I, I feel like he, that's all show. Oh, no, the Hollywood, yeah. like, like Hell's Kitchen? Yeah. That whole thing was for show. Yeah. Uh, they made him do that. It was in his contract. Um, sure. If you watch the uh, – he has a couple other shows, and if you watch the ones on BBC, you know, from, from England, uh, he's not like that at all. He's um, just probably really into his craft. He's really into his craft. Yeah. He is very serious about it. Yeah. Um, he is the only chef that has had uh, three Michelin stars for 15 years without losing them at his flagship restaurant. Wow. Which is saying something, and he's not even there half the time. So, so he's got people doing it the right way. Yep, he's doing it the right way. That's good. Um, I've been to a couple of his spots in Vegas, and pretty dang good. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he's got a great name, and um, but that's that's you know, yeah, chefs can be temperamental, um, and we're not always you know we're not always warm and fuzzy because it's it's a short you know our our whole craft is very short. Yeah, you know, from we abbreviate everything, everything's you know fast paced. The less said, the quicker the movements, the better. Mm-hmm. Um, so that. that gives us a little bit of a stereotype but uh, at the end of the day you know i love my guys my guys hopefully love working for me uh, we try to create a great culture a great environment of inclusion um and uh you know at the end of the day we can all have a beer together and, and you know brush off you know whatever frustrations there were and do it again tomorrow what's the main thing you've learned uh in this process in the last year maybe in the kitchen standpoint oh oh wow uh main thing i've learned um kind of how to bring it all together. Yeah. Um, you know, all the other, you know, positions I've had or whatnot, um, I've never been, I never had my own personal self invested into something, financial self invested into something. Um, so you don't see all those different angles Mm -hmm. until you really step back and look at it from a high level. Yeah. And how you kind of have to bring everything together from, you know, the front door to the back door Mm -hmm. and, uh, the dishwashers to the hostesses and, you know, how everybody has these, you know, their part and that part has to work in unison together to make, you know, this machine run. And, you know, on a Friday, Saturday night, I mean, you've been in here, you've, yeah. see, you've seen how busy it gets. And, and, and uh, if you really step back and watch how it all, you know, it, it, it's like an orchestra. It all has to work together in order for it to be successful. Yeah. I've, I've uh, tried to come in here on a Friday or Saturday night without reservations and it's not a good idea. No, you'll be waiting a little <laughs> while. Yeah. Get reservations. If you want to come out to main street farmer, it's a good thing. Uh, I always ask this to people on this podcast. What do you suck at? Um, a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I don't always, uh, I don't always think about how would I say, 
or how I answer a question or how I... Uh, it comes back to the short thing. It, Everything's it, short. It, it does. Did that really come out of my mouth? Or just <laughs> how it comes out. You know, I'll, I'll say something and then I'll move on. Yeah. Not really even thinking about how it sounded. Uh, or like later that night I'll be sitting at home like, yeah, that probably sounded hard now that I'm rethinking it. Yeah. Um, but uh, it does come back to the short thing. It's just, you know, it's, it's get something done and, and, and move to the next challenge or the next task. Um, how are your fantasy teams doing this year? I have just taken over first place. Oh, you you took over. I took over first place. I was I was trailing all season, but uh, uh, you know we've got a little in-house league here with all the all the cooks and okay. uh, it's 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 fun. Little banter back and forth. Uh, they're all looking to take me down. Um, we'll see how the playoffs go. They start here in a week or two. Our in-house uh, fantasy league at work has been very fun this year. I thought too, except for Trevor, who benches Antonio Brown on purpose to try to get first-round picks next next year. Trying to execute the process that was, here. That was crap, Trevor. Trust the process. <laughs> that, 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 I don't know if I, that would fly here. I mean, we, it, <laughs> it's so funny here because everybody's, you know, even if you're the last person in the league, you're trying to get in. I, I, I put the league together, so sure. Um, I, I put an eight-team playoff in. With a ten okay. te- ten-team league, so there's only two teams that don't get in. <laughs> so two, what is the punishment for the two teams that don't get in? Ooh, don't That's know. the question. Ooh, I don't know. Is it too late to make that? No, make that call. It's de- definitely not too late. Oh. We've got a couple of weeks left in the regular season. Maybe they have to clean the mats outside in January. Oh, I like this. Okay. Yeah, there, there needs to be punishment for the teams that are terrible we'll figure that in out. fantasy leagues. I'll, I'll, ask, I'll ask what everybody wants to do, and we'll, we'll put it in the place. Um, so I have to say, staff here is always great. Like, they're always on top of it. Yeah, we have a great team here. You, you do really have a great team. And I know that for a while you were just trying to, like, really fill positions with, with good people, and you really did find great people here. Yeah, yeah, and uh, from the bartenders to the wait staff to the greeters and everybody, it, it's been great. Well, uh, th- if you don't mind me saying, I want to make sure that, that I say this uh, because it's something that I always tell my team. Mm-hmm. You know, you can hire for skill level, and, and that gets you, you know, it positions It gets you what filled, you expect. But yeah. we, we also look at the person. We mm-hmm. really try to hire the person. Um, and, and how passionate they are and how, how much they love this industry or how much they want to succeed at this industry because you can have the skills and, and not have the passion, but we want the passion. So my wife uh, was really into the beef tenderloin that you had on the menu over the summer. She came in when the fall menu came out and she saw that it was not on the menu Yeah, anymore. she was not happy she with was, me. She was crushed. And I was like, try the short rib. And she's like, what's a short rib? And I'm like, just try it. She liked it, and right? She, she's like, I like this better than the beef tenderloin. <laughs> well, don't, that, that, that's the one thing about Main Street Farm is our menu will change. Yeah, you, it's going to change, and you're going to have to find you, – you, you might have a favorite that stays on the menu week to or month to month or quarter to quarter. Yeah. But you got to be able to be flexible and try and, new things. And I, I and, try and new things, things every time back. I come in here. Things will come back. You know, yeah. we change with the seasons. So, I mean, yeah, you, you you want a nice grilled steak in the in the summertime, but when it comes to winter, you want those heartier stews and braises and yeah. and uh, you know those things that are gonna keep you warm and fill you up. What's your favorite couple of things in the menu right now? This current menu? Yeah. Uh, the short rib is is probably my favorite right now. Um, uh, we have a great great salad. Uh, it's made with apples and fennel and has this honey balsamic dressing on it. Yeah. Um, some little crispy prosciutto bites and stuff. Uh, uh, so that's that's been going over really popular. Um, and then my other favorite, uh, uh, we're doing a chicken mole, uh, and then we're putting it in mm-hmm. a street taco. 
We got a little chicken. I, I saw that today as yeah. I was looking at the lunch menu. I was like, hmm. Yeah. I might need to try that next time. It's around. delicious. Little heat, little little sweet, little a you know, little bit of everything there. Little pickle. Yeah. What's something that you haven't put on the menu yet that you want to that you've oh. got eyed for the future? Oh, 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 oh. That's a good question. I don't know. <laughs> The, sh- the short rib was one, but I got it on the menu. You for, got it on the menu winter. this time around. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I haven't even I haven't even turned my attention to to the spring or summer menu for next year. Okay. Um, it's hard for me to get in that mode when it's still getting cold, you know. Sure. So, uh, but uh, um, I don't know. I'll just see. I'm I'm excited for it. All right, cool, man. Um, that's kind of all I got. Let's uh, let's wrap up this podcast with. By the way, you should check out. Uh, Facebook.com slash Main Street Farmer. Um, MainStreetFarmer.com. Is that the yep. website? That is as our well? website. Yep. And uh, call in for reservations if you want to come out here and, and do the stuff. By the way, you want to go to dinner and then go to a cool movie theater? That's St. Michael Cinema down the way. It's a pretty fun movie theater, too. Yep. Yeah, that so, is. So, uh, a, a good spot to duel up there. And then, um, it, then if I could just what? add one more thing. What's that? Get you guys you know, a little hook in there. Mm-hmm. Um, there is going to be a little bit of an expansion happening. Oh. So pay, oh. Att- pay attention to Main Street Farmer. Secret and, stuff? Yeah. Well. Whatever. I know that there's another half of the building there over here that's, uh, building. That's, that you guys own. Yes. And is, uh, Construction starts in December. There. Really? Yeah. Okay. So uh, just, just pay attention to Main any, Street Farmer. Any, any hints? Uh, beer. Beer? Okay. Beer, beer forward. Oh, I'll give you that. Hint. I like the sound of this, and and really, I was going to mention. I didn't mention yet, the cocktails at this bar. Outstanding. Like, who who's who's in charge of the the cocktail menu? Um, you know, everybody kind of gets their input. Really, which is really cool. This so, because like they're like legit like upscale cocktails, and they like are. I I would have figured you had like a mixologist somewhere that was figuring these out. Yeah, you know, we've had a we've had uh, you know a couple of people over the year come in and kind of add their touches to it and, okay. and such. Um, but we wanted, uh, you know, a, a cocktail menu that, that's paired with our food. Yeah. And uh, it had to be as, as uh, I don't know what you want to say, out there or as, as eccentric as our food is. So we, uh, we really pushed that forward. Well, I'm excited about a beer forward second building or second room yeah. of Main Street Farm over so here. That'll look, be fun. Look for us in the spring. <laughs> I'll be here. <laughs> and walking home. <laughs> Luckily, I only live like two miles away. So you have that luxury. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, Aaron, for coming by. Again, you can find uh, Aaron, facebook.com slash chef Aaron with two A's, Hagerdorn, H-A-G-E-R-D-O-R-N. Uh, go check him out there. And then uh, facebook.com slash Main Street Farmer. Thanks for uh, joining us. It was uh, really cool. Thanks for having I me. I hope you have a good Thanksgiving. You, you, got, you got big plans? Uh, no, going to be low-key. You cooking? Uh, maybe a little. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll try to do as little as possible. <laughs> Make Ashley cook. Yeah, All right. We'll see. Uh, uh, for Trevor and Aaron, this is Matt Harrison. Thanks for joining the Explosive Output Podcast. Thanks, guys. There are two kinds of angry people, explosive and implosive. Explosive is the kind of individual that you see screaming at the cashier for not taking their coupons. Sandball Podcast Network.